Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Jason here, and this is episode 245 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to be talking with Joshua K. Rutherford. Josh is a great guy. I had a really good time talking to him, and uh, his books sound amazing. We're going to be discussing embracing uniqueness, uh, projecting onto your characters. Uh, We talk about his writing process for a while and how it's evolving over time, how he got started writing novels after doing screenplays for so long. How he, and how he balances writing and editing. And, and one of the other things I thought was really uh, interesting, too, was developing empathy for characters. And does that empathy carry over to villains? <laughs> There's that and so much more coming up here in just a couple of minutes. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be really cool. And, and of course, next week, you're going to hear a sample chapter read by Josh from his Four Point Chronicles series. It's book one, Kinghood. And that's next week, so make sure you are hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss out next time. Meanwhile, I would do want to, as always, invite everybody to make sure you're following the show on social media. Uh, Very easy to find, just the Sample Chapter Podcast on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or X, uh, (laughs) and Instagram. If you want to reach out to the show, you can do so via email which is samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'm trying to get better about uh, getting back to people. I've, I'm getting I'm getting an awful lot of email here recently, which is a good thing. That's a good problem to have. Uh, but uh, trying to reply back to everyone has been an issue for a while, I'd say throughout the summer. Uh, but I'm, I am working through and trying to uh, set something up with as many people as I can. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, like I said, that's, that's a good problem to have. It means a lot of people are enjoying the show, and that really flatters me. Aside from the show, I do want to invite you to check out my podcast friends at Pop Goes the Culture Network. They are about a, about a half a dozen other shows, all of them movie, comic books, pop culture related, and uh, really cool stuff. So make sure you click that link in the show notes to find out more about all of them. And of course, don't forget to go and uh, grab yourself some coffee. It's fall, time for that morning cup of joe to uh, to wake you up and get you going. And Writer's Block Coffee has a flavor for you. If you use coupon code SAMPLECHAPTER, you're going to save 10% off your order. And uh, they're an affiliate of the show, which means by using that coupon code, I get a little bit of something back that helps me out uh, with the bills for the show. I got some really exciting things in the, uh, you know, stirring the pot right now behind the scenes. I cannot wait to share some of this with you. And, uh, you know, just waiting to nail down some more of it and and, uh, get all the details arranged before I share it. Uh, So stay tuned for that. That's coming up real, real soon. Hopefully I can talk about it next week. Uh, But uh, if not, maybe the week after. I am neck deep in my edits of uh, Bandit 2, and uh, that, that's that's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, life is, uh, life is busy, but uh, life has been pretty good for the uh, Sample Chapter podcast, and uh, I'm looking forward to what the future may hold for the show, and uh, yeah, hopefully this is something good for all of you.
Well, hey, I think that's about enough out of me. Uh, how about we go ahead and get on over to the interview with our guest, Joshua K. Rutherford. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, welcome back. This week, I'm so excited to introduce to you a new-to-me author, and possibly new to you as well. We are talking today with Joshua K. Rutherford. He is a screenwriter turned fiction storyteller that has wanted to be a writer all his life. He enjoys writing fantasy novels that offer a better representation of inclusivity in literary circles. His latest work, The Four Point Chronicles, is a series of fantasy novels that take readers on an adventure through the strange and mysterious world of greater Afari. As the story unfolds, readers will discover that there are many layers to this fascinating world, from its diverse cast of characters to its intricate plot lines. The Four Point Chronicles has something for everyone and is sure to keep you turning pages until the end. When he's not writing, Josh enjoys spending time with his wife and two boys in their hometown of Austin, Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Joshua K. Rutherford. Hey, Josh. Hi, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. And this is uh, this is great to get to work this out and uh, to have you on here. I'm, I'm just I'm just thrilled to have you here, man. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. So looking over your work, I mean, you you've been a screenwriter, you've uh, you know, worked in, in a lot of things. What what brought you into to writing uh, or what was it that made you say, I'm going to write a novel? Oh, goodness. That's a great question. My first venture into writing a novel, actually, it came on the heels of what I consider a failure. I had, um, this was going back <laughs> a few years, but um, I had just received um, some notes from a producer who had um, looked over a screenplay of mine, and uh, he pretty much tore it to shreds. <laughs> and as I was like trying to pick up the pieces of my ego, if you will, um, I this was one of many rejections I had gotten as an aspiring screenwriter. And the thing about being a screenwriter, um, I should start off by saying is that you're really, um, especially as you're getting started, you're really writing for an audience of one. That is, you're trying to get it in front of one agent, one literary manager, one producer who's willing to invest time and resources into making that or adapting it onto the screen, whether it be the small screen or the big screen. So after this um, particularly, uh, let's just say, uh, biting piece of criticism I got from this producer, I had in me just a revelation or an epiphany that I wanted to get my work out there to more than an audience of one. And I thought about um, other mediums and kind of writing and expanding my writing. And it occurred to me that there was one screenplay I had worked on that I wanted to do more with. And I considered the seed had been planted a while back for me to turn that into a novel. And it just stuck with me, especially after getting that one piece of criticism. So I took that screenplay, probably one of my worst screenplays, and I developed it into a story, which became a novel that I eventually self-published and just put out there. Wow. Okay. And and what was uh, what was that one? Oh, that was uh, Sons of Chania. And that was also my first um, uh, take into not only novel writing, but writing a fantasy novel, uh, which, as you can see from uh, my website <laughs> and uh, from my Amazon um, page, uh, is just uh, a genre that I fell in love with writing. And uh, yeah, that was my first attempt or my first novel that I ever put out there. 
That's cool. That's cool. Now, were you doing fantasy with your screenwriting or were you kind of just kind of picking up screenwriting jobs where they were? Um, I was doing um, some fantasy. Um, th- uh, that was my second screenplay, um, Sons of Chania, um, and that was fantasy. I was also doing uh, historical fiction and then action adventure. Um, I-, I kind of dabbled in quite a few genres uh, as an aspiring screenwriter, submitted them to screenplay contests and everything. Um, and um, yeah, so I kind of dabbled in a few different genres, but it was always fantasy on both the screenwriting side and then now the novel writing side that appealed to me most. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And it's, it, I always love how I think we find our voice uh, once we start writing, you know, whether we stumble into it or whether it's already there, but we find our voice. And once we start writing the thing that we've always wanted to write. And uh, it sounds like that's kind of what came through with you was the, the fantasy just, it, it rose up from within and started coming out and now you're you're doing quite well with it it appears yeah definitely i mean uh certainly everything that i love about fantasy from the um, variety of characters to the world building uh that's just what appeals to me and uh certainly um that continues to appeal to me to this day <laughs> uh yeah speaking of your characters um, it brings me to something that i read about in your bio about embracing uh, your own uniqueness was something special to you in your personal life. Has that crossed over into your characters as you write them? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so much of my personal life has crossed over into my work and especially my novel writing, because I find that medium so much freer than say screenwriting where you have to do it a certain format, a certain way. But um, in terms of uh, my own individuality, making its way into my writing, um, you know, I, I guess you could say I project <laughs> onto <laughs> uh, the page, especially onto my characters. And I always knew that, but I didn't know the depth to which I did that until I really started writing novels. Uh, it came out in my first novel and then especially in my second, my third novels as I kept writing. And it was kind of a consciousness that dawned on me and I'm glad it did because it made me realize how much I project myself onto my characters and whether or not that is always the best thing because certainly <laughs> I don't want all my characters to sound like me or have all the same voice and I think that um, mindfulness that realization of how much of yourself as an author you put into your characters reflects a sense of maturity and growth as an author because then you can also deviate and create characters that are not like you but still get across a certain message or carry a certain sensibility that is more intentional. So yeah, that's been uh, an ongoing process. I've worked through my growth and development as an author. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, well, I don't love it, but it's, it always kind of makes me smirk a little bit when my wife, uh, she's usually my first reader, but uh, whenever she comes across a character, a particularly nasty character that I've written and she gives me that look of, uh who's this where did this guy come from and I'm like no no that's not me like <laughs> that's nothing about me is there and she laughs she's like yeah I know I know she, that's just wow okay <laughs> yeah definitely I can relate <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your uh your writing process do you do you like to write every day is it something you can pick up anywhere you go or uh or, or you know what what, what is your process 
I would say at this point, yeah, I write every day, uh, even if it's just a little bit. And my writing process is evolving, as I like to tell people, as my wife well knows, um, because uh, being a family man, uh, certainly setting aside consistent blocks of time is Mm. a challenge for me. Mm -hmm. So um, I find it's good having a range in which I can expect to write. And then depending on how my schedule is throughout the day, how tired I am, um, you know, like for instance, last night, um, I didn't sleep so well because, uh, you know, the five-year-old kept um, waking up and everything. So that led to uh, probably an amended writing schedule today. But um, certainly uh, having a I guess you'd say a self-compassionate writing schedule and fitting in time when I can. I try to write uh, at least uh, half an hour to an hour each day. And then where I find myself being more energetic or having more time, saying especially on uh, the weekends, I make up for um, uh, any loss of time during the work week and kind of commit to um, a more rigorous um, makeup schedule on the weekends. Oh, okay. All right. Do you like to edit as you go or do you just kind of dump it all out as much as you can, as fast as you can, and then go back later and edit? That depends on what I'm working on. Um, Usually I'll have a project. I'll have, I have multiple projects, but uh, in my writing, um, there will usually be something I work on where I can just brain dump and (laughs) not have to worry about the finer points like grammar and, um, uh, let's just say logic. <laughs> and there'll be some projects, um, like for instance, if I'm writing something uh, that's uh, very uh, long, uh, such as uh, my current series of Four Point Chronicles, that's six books. So with that, that's a little bit more planned and a little bit more intentional. Um, so I do do a lot of uh, correcting and editing along the way. So, um, but then I, to balance that out, I do have to have a, something else to write, whether it's on the laptop or in a journal, that's just more free form. That just allows me to just pour out and not have to worry about the end product. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when whenever you're writing a series, then and you were talking about how this is going to be six books, is this something that you planned ahead? Like you have it, okay, in this book, this happens, in this book, this happens. Do you know all this ahead of time or is that just kind of a aspiration that like, yeah, I should be able to wrap this up in six books? Um, It was a little bit of both. And um, when I finished my first two books, they were standalone books. And I realized, um, you know, part of the feedback I received as an author, plus also part of my own aspirations was that I should um, do something that has um, the franchise material that can, you know, it's not mm. just a standalone book, but has a sequel. Um, and initially, when I came up with the Four Point Chronicles, I was thinking it'd be a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more I kind of committed to an outline, to notes, to what I was putting on paper, three books turned into four, and then four jumped over five into six. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. I stopped at six. I stopped myself there. Um, but uh, yeah, I just knew that there was so much to the story. Um, I didn't want to make like one necessarily like massive one standalone book. I didn't want to like cut off just at three arbitrarily. And it just has grown into a six book series, which I'm pretty committed to sticking with um and is just something that i've grown to love and develop um and is both the product of kind of me just um spitballing if you will uh, and, yeah. and also uh very some very intentional um 
uh, commitments in terms of outlining and strategizing um, this book series. Okay. All right. So did you have the end in mind when you began it? Um, I did. Um, now the end has um, morphed a little bit and it <laughs> kind of evolved, especially as the characters have grown in the first few books. Um, so I think the end, much like my characters, has matured. Um, so it's a little <laughs> bit more crystallized than, say, when I began. But um, yeah, uh, it's still kind of in the same path of where I started. Okay. All right. See, that's something I am experiencing right now. I wrote a couple of standalones, did a short story, and then I began a series. And first book one, no problem. I mean, you're just, you know, like you said, you're just spitballing. You're having a good time writing out that first story. And then book two, I wrote for a year, just kind of putting it together. Before, and I kept realizing, like, man, I am, I'm really stalling with this. And I couldn't understand why until it hit me one day that I had morphed my ideas from book two into book three. And that's what I was writing. I had to go through and pull out like six or eight chapters and dump them into book three and then go back to where it diverged and uh, go from there. And uh, that's been no fun. So, but it's also given me a little bit of a chance to sit down and do a guideline and go, okay, let's sort this out a little bit. Okay. Book two, here's the main thing that's going on this chapter. I like this to happen. And then they go here and then here. Book three, they pick up from here and kind of go from that. I laid out a few things. Um, did you have any anything like that with you happen or take place where you had to like hold back and go, wait a minute, where is this going? Yeah, definitely. I've shifted. <laughs> I played, uh, you know, not to date myself, Tetris um, or more appropriately for this generation, uh, this current generation, Minecraft and uh, kind of moving pieces uh, that may have started in the beginning, but kind of uh, were, are more appropriate to kind of hold off um, in the end. Like, for instance, um, there's a romance. Well, one of many romances, but the main romance within my current series started in book one and I didn't want to force it. So a lot of it was um, delayed um, naturally um, and just more organically comes out more in book two. And from that point forward, um, mm. yeah, because I didn't want to necessarily like just throw in a love interest and kind of rush the relationship. It didn't seem right to me. Um, and it really came out more um, uh, kind of appropriately uh, within the second book. So I was able to kind of build it up a little bit more. So yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so as far as, uh, I mean, romance just kind of brings me right into one of the other things I wanted to ask about, which was the value of empathy. How, how, do, you, how do you look at empathy and how does that affect your characters or the readers for that matter? Yeah, I mean, that's something that, you know, like in, in terms of empathizing with your characters, I mean, it's one of the most difficult things because, um, I mean, so many writing seminars and courses focus on building interesting characters and kind of, you know, having a great backstory and everything. But in terms of empathizing, I mean, for me, what that means to me as an author is that the reader is pulled in to the character's mind and to their emotions as well too and kind of the landscape if you will that they inhabit um so being able to empathize with different characters and an author who's able to set that up 
Um, that's very important to me. And that certainly um, factors into a lot of what I do in terms of uh, like how I set up a character, but also the obstacles and the um, uh, the, the challenges and the triumphs that they go through. I mean, when a character uh, in my series, when they win, when they have a big win, I want my audience to really cheer them on. And when they have a big loss, I want them to like feel that. So um, I think that's part of the empathetic uh, experience that audience, you know, audiences that readers should have with the characters. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I agree. Now, how about how about your villains? Do you have any empathy for them or are they more so the mustache twirling? <laughs> I'm, I'm a bad guy. You know, in my earlier writing, uh, yeah, the villains were a little bit more uh, stereotypical uh, <laughs> um, and kind of fit those archetypes. Um, now, uh, I, you know, I I want my readers to empathize a little bit with the villains as well, too. Um, you know, especially in terms of, you know, a, a lot of my uh, antagonists are ambitious. So I really try to kind of play that out as to, you know, being a quality that, uh, the reader can uh, really connect with or kind of at least try to connect with when um, being involved in that character's journey. And, uh, you know, I, I also try with my villains not to make them seem, and hopefully this makes sense, but not to make them seem too bad, you know, like mm. too cruel or too caustic and to have their behavior really be understandable. And mm -hmm. be something, even if it's not agreeable, at least understandable, where the reader can believe, oh, this isn't so outrageous. I could see how this character went from A to B to C. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that's something uh, for like a modern audience. I think that's something that uh, Marvel um, particularly did a good job of introducing villains that you can kind of empathize with, you know, like Thanos. And it's like, you know, he's not wrong about trying trying to do what he can. He, he's playing the part of a villain because of what he thinks will help everybody. But he just wants to help everybody, too. <laughs> he's just going about it in a way that not everybody agrees with. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that moral ambiguity where nothing's either wrong or right or yes or no. And kind of it's that middle ground. Mm -hmm. Um that is something that I really try to explore. Um, for instance, in my third book, um, one of the protagonists um, becomes a little bit crueler in how they rule um, because they are a king and they oversee subjects and they have an army. Um, and that is direct, uh, directly and indirectly connected to how their kinghood um, developed and uh, really did not work out the way he wanted it to, and mm -hmm. it really had um, a, a impact on uh, his thoughts and emotions and thereby his behavior. Okay, that's awesome. Um, before we dive into Kinghood and discussing that, I wanted to ask a little bit, um, looking through your portfolio, you also have some nonfiction books, and uh, one of them uh, that stood out to me was The Lost Art of Delayed Gratification. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, find that especially uh, not to age myself too much but in my advanced age I've that's something that has really appealed to me of, of holding off on things 
what what went into that book? What was what was your uh, uh, your guide to uh, to want to or what what drove you to uh, want to write that? Oh yeah, um, that was a um, blog post um, on Medium, uh, my account, and then it's, uh, made its way onto um, my website and. Well, many things went into um, writing yeah. on that particular subject, but especially uh, being an aspiring writer and, you know, having um, started first in screenwriting, then novel writing and continuing and trying to write in various mediums now. Um, certainly, uh, it's a labor of love. <laughs> <laughs> writing is. Um, and uh, for those of us that have like started and stuck with it, I mean, there is just uh, so much that you have to put into and uh, extrinsically, there's not a lot that is given back to us. It is very intrinsic in terms of motivation and satisfaction. Uh, you know, for example, um, uh, without betraying um, their confidence, um, I was talking to one of my author friends, and they have just signed with an agent. And this is after, gosh, like more than a decade of writing, of mm. sending out query letters, and yeah. and this. This writer, a friend of mine, is brilliant. So this is not like <laughs> who is bad at what they do, bad at their craft, and, and is being rejected. This is someone who is, in my opinion, at the top of their game and is still facing constant rejection. So um, to say that um, their gratification has been delayed would be an understatement. And I've gone through similar um points in my writer's journey that have been the same where like I finally get a win and there's just this moment of clarity where I have to ask myself was it worth it because I, <laughs> I, I put so much effort into this and it's like a win and I'm glad I, it happened but at the same time it's like it, the return on investment has yet to really pay off for me so um yeah delayed gratification in the writing community um now there's some of us or there's some in the writing community that don't know what i'm talking about but i think there's many in the writing community that can resonate with that idea of delayed gratification so that's why i wrote that post yeah and that's that's uh, actually fascinating because like when i when i first saw that title you know my mind is thinking like okay yeah don't grab that candy bar today. Uh, I'll grab it at the end of the week if I've done my workouts. Um, or, you know, or, or I'm not going to buy this, um, I don't know, whatever, this product today. I may wait a little while until I can do it better. I mean, yeah, I could afford it today, but, you know, if I do it later on, I'll feel better about it. My mind went there, but I like that you actually are approaching delayed gratification from a different point of view as well. It does affect so many things, such as, the writing and and uh, the gratification that comes from the work that went into it and when it's all done it's like there we go i did this and and that is quite the feeling yeah i mean having landed on the other side of that hurdle i mean there it just it's just so packed with emotions especially if that journey to get there um mm -hmm. was long as it has been for me yeah oh my gosh so all right so we're hearing about uh, the uh, the Four Point Chronicles. Going to be hearing from the book here uh, next week. Kinghood, book one of it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the series and and what we're looking at. Yeah, so the Four Point Chronicles um, uh, is a six book series, a franchise that follows four brothers, identical quadruplets. And what is unique about them is that 
No one knows their situation. That is, no one knows there's four of them. They uh, spent have spent their entire lives in the guise, um, you know, in um, pretending to be one royal. First, one prince as they were coming up, and then when they're uh, crowned, one king. And they have spent their entire lives rotating in and out of uh, and sharing this responsibility. And the Four Point Chronicles uh, really goes over their entire journey from their princehood into their kinghood and everything beyond. Um, and it follows their trials and tribulations, their successes, um, their failures all throughout that journey and everyone that they um, encounter along the way. It's uh, very much a passion project near and dear to my heart. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm working on book three with books one and two already out there. Outstanding. And what was uh, what was your evolution of this? Like, uh, was this, did it stem from a dream? Um, or I guess you had talked about that was part of a screenplay that you were working on previously. How did it, uh, how did it kind of grow from there? Um, I would say... Well, if I may, I'll put out a moment of inspiration. Um, my wife and I were uh, traveling in Europe. Um, uh, this was years back. And the seed, the kernel that kind of started this particular story is uh, we were actually um, in the Czech Republic at Prague Castle. And we were walking around the grounds and everything. And there's this section, um, uh, well, probably one of many sections where you're on the ramparts and you're looking down and you can see the drum tower and uh, the crenellations and everything. And there's just something, you know, having spent a few hours there already. And then just that moment where I thought to myself in my writing career, oh, like I need to write something that's medieval fantasy. I need to write something that captures this essence that I'm experiencing. Mm. And that planted the seed for the medieval fantasy um, idea that would become kinghood um, and it was just one of those uh, just like in the moment moments mm -hmm. <laughs> that really kind of uh, yeah kind of struck me and then from there I just uh, the wheels started turning I started thinking about the characters I could create um, and then uh, you know one thing led to another and uh, yeah honestly it was just uh, it was just a fantastic moment that I held on to ever since then and I just kind of kept adding to um, as the years progressed and then um, just turned into uh, well the idea for a novel that I knew there was more than one novel there and it progressed <laughs> into something more and uh, yeah um, yeah, so uh, very much uh, a process, a long process that started from that moment onward. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have a uh, Do you have a favorite character or a particular scene that you're like, oh man, I love that scene. It just turned out so great. Oh gosh, um, yeah, there is. Um, yeah, I would say one of the scenes um, is. Probably uh, the first battle scene within Kinghood, um, where I think it just kind of captures just before kind of the rush of the battle actually starting, just kind of that anxiety, mm. but also that excitement that comes yeah. with kind of starting something that's just, let's just say, wildly chaotic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's just uh, certain moments like just writing that and just having that in my mind. Um, I'm not even sure if I 
had or have enough talent to literally capture what was in my mind or the emotions I was feeling as I was writing that. But <laughs> nonetheless, I'm especially proud of that moment that I created that I was able to put on the page because um, certainly um, it, the reason it stuck out to me is because the character was still very much young. And by young, I mean like inexperienced and still kind of coming into uh, their own kind of coming of age um, yeah. and the rush that they felt in um, not only being part of a battle, but strategizing something that actually worked out mm. and um, kind of like the creation process of that. Um, that just is something I'm, I'm proud of. That's just, you know, something that I put into the novel at the very beginning. I think it really kind of set the stage for not only the book, but the rest of the series. And uh, hopefully my readers feel the same way. But um, yeah, that's one example that sticks out to me. Outstanding. That's awesome, man. <laughs> where, uh, Josh, where can people find and follow you? Yeah, they can um, follow me um, through my website, uh, joshuakrutherford.com. It has um, not only um, information about my current works um, and then also um, some other great content, but also links to my uh, social media handles. And then uh, you can also find my books on Amazon. Outstanding. Okay. And of course, everybody, we're going to have links to all of that in the show notes. So that way you can follow Josh. Uh, go ahead and jump on over there now and check out his books uh, but don't forget next week we're going to be back with a reading from josh of kinghood book one of the four point chronicles uh until then everyone stay tuned and uh we'll see you again next week